Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's cold in here. Um, Actually it's not, it's pretty no, warm in this room. No, but uh, it that is that is a phrase that everyone will remember yes. who was at SBC 18. Yes, we will. Uh, what a week it has been. Wow. It's amazing because I started the week... Um, with a lot of uneasiness, I think a lot of people did. Just there were yeah, so, there many, so unknowns. many things. Well, there were so many things swirling. Yes, a lot of unknowns, and um, but I also had this feeling of it's just time. We need to get this thing started. Gavel needs to go down. People are here. They're ready to do something. Let's just go, and we did. So, Amy, we, we had a great week in the end, I believe. I, I think most people would say that they enjoyed their time at the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, we had some uh, strange sights in the, the meeting hall as well. I saw a tweet from you about a pigeon. Yeah. I made a bad dad joke on the SBC This Week account that yeah. he had just flown th- right through security. Uh, Nicely on, done. On Wednesday. I, there were several people that, that had good responses that something was a foul oh, after I oh, did well that. Oh, well done. And then uh, people thought it was funny because it was a, I was tweeting about a bird. Get it? Oh, tweet. I see what that you did That was there. his tweet. Yeah. So, but that was funny. And he, that bird stayed, like that pigeon stayed the whole time. Hey, he, does, he knew that decisions were made. By, by those, those who, who show, show up. up, yes, and uh, and the, I think it was in the ERLC report at the very end. I, he swooped down toward the front, and I thought, I I hope everyone, I hope no one had any uh, any problems in their hair or anything yeah. like that. But <laughs> well, you know, and, and some were thinking, oh, this is a Matthew four moment, so yeah. <laughs> the dove descending or something like that. So who knows? But all right, before we get into it, uh, we want—I want to do want to do one thing, Amy. A good friend of yours and ours, Herschel York, yes. was uh, announced as the new dean of theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is located in Louisville, Kentucky, and they're committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu. Congratulations go out to. Dr. York. And we also celebrated 25 years of, of Dr. Dr. Moeller. Yeah, that was a, was a big week. So first of all, I'm very excited for Dr. York. He's been at Southern a long time. Uh, I worked with him years ago, and I'm a, a huge fan of his, although not quite uh, as big a fan of him as I am of Tanya York. And he, every time I tell him that, he is okay with that. Yeah, he's a big fan of Tanya as well. Yes. So um, I'm excited uh, about that for him, though, and, and for Southern Seminary. I think it's going to be great. Yep, uh, met Michael this week. His one of his sons. Yeah, oh, and Michael's so, wonderful. So uh, it was uh, it was a good week for the York family, I'm sure. Yes, but also as you said, 25 years. Yes. Uh, sesquicentennial. Sesquicentennial. Yep, big celebration. Uh, I'm not going to sing the jingle. So. All right. All right. Well, Amy, a big week in the SBC. A pivotal week. Some may say I think a watershed so. week. Um, that uh, we heard from the the nominating speech from Ken Winton. Yes. A watershed moment. And uh, so this week we're going to do things a little bit differently. Usually we just go right through the news and we do other things. Uh, but we have uh, three main areas of discussion this week. We're going to talk about uh, true discussions, true decisions, and true directions because we're Baptist and they all fit together like that. Three points. Yes. All starting with the word true and uh, the letter D. The letter D. Yes. Yeah. We are so Baptist this week. Uh, and then we're going to also talk about some uh, other highlights and some task force reports and everything. And we've got some audio coming for you as well, if we can uh, pull that from the SBC annual meeting site. So thanks to those guys for having all those videos up. I know a lot of people were live streaming. I saw the numbers. I think after Monday, live streams were up 40%. Yeah, Is that so what I you and I were have, I talking have, to Augie about? I actually have a little day? information on that. Um, I just talked to Chris Chapman uh, from the executive committee this morning. Uh, on the we're, we're recording this on Thursday. And... Uh, it looks like they'll have official numbers coming in, in a few weeks. But when you take pastor's conference and uh, annual meeting together all week long, um, over 70,000 unique viewers. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. That, had, so that means not just pay, not just clicking on it, you know, and then you go back again. Over 70,000 different um, IP addresses, basically different individuals uh, watching it. And so they'll have final numbers on that coming. And then wh- what was the last messenger count? Just just under 10,000, which, come on, folks, we really wanted we really to break 10. That. I really wanted a stake. 
So we're gonna keep we're gonna keep pushing ten in Birmingham. Uh, I think we can break ten in Orlando. You can usually always break ten in Orlando. People people like to go there, but we came close. Yes, we did, and uh, unfortunately, we just fell just a few hundred short. But it was a, a great turnout. Yeah, uh, we saw a lot of people that we know and a lot of first time people. During Augie Bodo's report to the executive committee, he asked all the first time uh, messengers to stand. And that was a lot of people. That was a ton. Yes. It was, I was blown away. I took a picture of that. I think I tweeted it. Um, and I had to just pick one because I pick, took pictures across the room and there were tons of first time messengers. Yeah. So I hope next year they are all back. Yes. I hope they will be second time messengers next year. All right. So let's talk about our true discussions. We did have some true discussions about a lot of things. We had substantive discussion from the microphone. I would say more than any uh, annual meeting in recent history. Well, it depends on what you mean by recent, because I would say in the last ten years we've had that would be recent. We, we've had some. Well, we've had some years. I mean, two thousand seven, the Garner motion was okay. really substantive discussion. But I would say this: maybe in just the last few years, um, not the, the volume of it. We yes. were having substantive discussion on lots of different yes. things, and as, as I think this is going to be a theme. The hall was full a lot yes, for business, so people were there, which I think made a difference in um, the substantive discussion. It did. It did. We yeah. had great discussions from all around. Uh, we'll talk about five main areas, and we'll talk about the decisions that were made uh, following up to that. All right, so the, it started off Tuesday morning when Mike Pence uh, announced on Monday that he would be here on Wednesday, so Tuesday uh, there was a motion brought to, to can reconsider that and right. to maybe adjust the agenda and again, a, a substantive discussion about it. Yeah, it, it really was. And uh, both on the part of um, the messenger who spoke for that motion and, and made a you know made a case, and but then Grant Etheridge, the chairman of the committee on order of business, who was worked so hard this week, he he really really did. And in the weeks leading up, he made a case for why the committee had acted the way that they did. And so that conversation was was very clear. I think when the messengers voted on that motion, they knew and understood what they were voting for. Yes, and give us some of the details of that because there was a lot of discussion about who invited whom, right? When this happened, uh, did you have any information? I, I never um, really got anything official other than just the release. No, what I know is, um, and I think this was even at one point mentioned in in uh, Grant's uh, s- statement up there when he responded to that uh, that motion. Um, the White House did reach out to the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, because uh, Vice President Pence wanted to come. And so at that stage, then we have a decision on our end of how to respond to that. And the people who were uh, who were responding to that, President Steve Gaines and Chairman of the Committee on Order of Business, Grant Etheridge, in getting all of the information and details, really felt like it was the right thing to accept that, not and rather than to rather than to say no. So that's that's where the the situation was. Yeah. So the decision was made on that. Right. And it went to a vote. And and the messengers in the room. And it. I've never seen a crowd like that for at eight fifteen. Yeah. In the morning. At eight fifteen for adopting the order of business. And I think there's something important for us to realize there. I, I do understand the issue and I do understand the differences that, that people had on that, the different perspectives. But the truth is that the majority of the messengers did decide that the Committee on Order of Business did the right thing. Yeah. And so that's where we were. Yeah. All right. Well, that led us uh, about an hour later during the Executive Committee report. We had some motions that were brought. We'll talk about the results of those here shortly. Uh, but during the executive committee report, there was an effort, effort made to defund the ERLC. But we saw this attempted last year during the, the motion time, which was right. out of order because we'd already passed the budget. So it came at the right time this year. Uh, somewhat expected. Uh, there'd been rumors and some rumblings about this. Yeah, and, and I, that, think, I think everyone assumed last year as well that when, the, when that motion was made during the time for motions yeah. and the response was that's out of order because the budget has been passed. Well, it's, it's not that hard for everyone to figure out, oh, next year they'll you want to make the motion here, you want to do it, you got to do it here. Yeah. So somebody did. Yeah, and they did. And uh, Vance Pittman stood to the microphone and delivered the following address. I'm Vance Pittman from Hope Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. 
As someone who pastors outside the Bible Belt in a multi-ethnic church made up of over 54 languages, let me say that the ERLC under Russell Moore's leadership has done more to bring healing to damaged relationships with people of color, minorities, and a younger generation of SBC pastors. than all of our actionless resolutions combined. Make no mistake about it, there is no SBC entity that has done more to energize African American, Hispanic, and other racial minorities in the SBC than the ERLC. In a day when it seems many SBC leadership have become nothing more than pundits for political parties, Russell Moore and the ERLC have remained a prophetic voice speaking truth from a biblical worldview on a wide range of social and cultural issues. The evidence for this claim is that at times he's offended both Democrats and Republicans. Why? Because his allegiance is to an authority much greater than a political party. Rather. Rather than from Fox News or MSNBC, he develops his talking points from an exhaustive study of the whole counsel of Scripture. You may not always agree with Russell Moore, and at times even I have not, but you better be ready to disagree and defend your position from God's Word because I can promise you that He will. The ERLC has been doggedly pro-life, pro-family, pro-the biblical definition of marriage, pro-religious liberty, and all the while rooted in gospel-centered evangelism. They've stood with Hobby Lobby against the Obamacare mandate and won significant victories in the Supreme Court. Conspiracy series like the one we just heard in this amendment are a false witness against the body of Christ, and we must not tolerate it. To do so would disregard an entire generation of younger pastors and disrespect minorities and people of color both within and without the SBC. I wholeheartedly recommend we vote against this amendment. So when that happened, I think it was a, it, it was a moment that felt very compelling yes. in the room and the response became clear. Mm-hmm. But I want to mention one other thing. There was one other person that spoke against the motion Yes. And that was the, that was incredibly meaningful, I think, in the room uh, that Richard Land, the past president of the ERLC, stepped up and spoke against that motion. I I found that to be very important. Yeah, and in that someone, moment. if you're aware of Southern Baptist life, someone Dr. Land would have different perspectives on a lot of different issues than Dr. Moore does, the current president. Sure. So to see the former president, who you know. Uh, believes, Maybe we'd do it differently. Yeah, do do some things differently and believe different things. Not everything. Not everything. Yeah, but some things. But to see him stand up and defend right. the the entity right uh, was to, was good to see. And it, and it demonstrated that uh, sometimes our processes and our systems are bigger than our personalities, and that he was that he is standing up arguing for the big picture that the answer cannot be to defund yes. this commission. Well, I think he knows that. It, he was still there and you know there was a group that maybe didn't dis- disagree or yeah. didn't agree with the, his stuff he wouldn't want them trying to defund him right that, that's not yeah that that's not the the way to go so that that sort of had the room and here's here's what was interesting to me is that we sometimes want to cast people into different boxes and you would assume that the motion that had come earlier about the vice president coming mm-hmm. you you would assume that that people would line up on the same sides, mm-hmm. you know, that, that people who were against that because, because of how the personalities yeah. get brought into yeah. things, um, that people would be against that. And then they would be, uh, against the defunding. It was overwhelming and, but like on sort of opposite sides yeah. than you would expect. There wasn't so the, much, uh, it wasn't a whole lot of overlap. And, right. and the vote to defund was just, was, it wasn't uh, even yeah. close. So what that told me was that when people, when pe- when it comes down to it, people are not always voting about the personalities. They are recognizing they're either standing behind the committee and recognizing there's wisdom here, or they are standing behind their entities. They're seeing this is not an action we need to take just because we don't line up on everything. That's that's how I how I took it. Yeah, and that led us to 
a discussion in the afternoon after the the um, the, the presidential election. We had a discussion that afternoon, and we'll, we'll talk about the presidential election here shortly. But uh, the nominations were right. challenged uh, right. again, involving the ERLC and a attempt to deny a trustee a second term, uh, which he was willing to serve. Right. A motion to replace was made, and for the first time in as long as I can remember, yeah, we had a trustee replacement from the floor. Right. I've never seen it. I mean, I know it happened, what, something like 25 years ago or whatever. Yeah, it's but, happened before, but it's, but it's been a long time. It's very, very rare for the nominating committee report to be amended from the floor. Yeah. And you, when you want to amend it from the floor, you can only do one name at a time. And, um, and you can't speak why the other guy... Right, you needs to be speak, taken off. You, you need to be all your against. guy needs to or girl right. gal needs to be put on. Right, you can't. Yeah, you you have to speak for, and the, but this one was unique because typically the reason it doesn't make it is because it's usually just a a messenger from the floor. People don't know who it is, and they are throwing out a name that no one knows, and so they they the people for a don't, reason that we really don't know. Right, either. so yeah. the messengers don't usually have the necessary information, and so in that moment, most people default to the committee, which that's, that's why yeah. we have the processes we have. In this case, you had the committee making an argument for why they went the direction they did, and it was the chairman of the board of trustees. At ERLC. Yes, at ERLC, standing up and explaining why he felt like this trustee should be reelected to a second term. And he spoke to this person's tenure as a trustee. So I felt like in that moment, one reason that that it went the way it did, one reason that it was different, um, is that people did feel like they had necessary information. It wasn't just like one name mm-hmm. for another. Yeah. You know, usually it's the the amender is saying, this person is great, they're a faithful church member, all of this. Well, the committee's also saying that about their person yes. too. So in in a moment, it's just everything's equal, so let's go with the committee. This was a little bit different. Yeah. They had some information to, to wrestle with. It's been a while since we've seen that. It's also been a while since we've seen, or it's been a while since we've seen a replacement, but it's also been a while since we've seen a trustee not be given a second term who was willing to serve. So that's right. kind of what added to the uniqueness of it. And it was just something that we didn't really expect to see. Yeah. What, one thing you saw was a lot of major actions, things that were unprecedented that were brought to the floor, um, whether yes. it was the Southwestern motion the next day or defunding an entity or n- deny or, or not reelecting a trustee. And what you saw is that at every point when we came to that ledge, the messengers did not want to go there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Well, that uh, that worked out and the, the replacement was made. Right. So that was the decision that was made there. Uh, the the fourth area that we uh, saw major substantive discussion was really during the seminary Q and A time. Yes. And Dr. Bingham's report, uh, in particular, uh, about the current status of Southwestern and the future of the school, which I, I I tweeted this out and I firmly believe it. And I saw a lot of people agreeing and a lot of people having the same opinion that that may have been the finest seminary report that we have seen in recent memory, uh, especially given the circumstances surrounding the seminary and everything they've been through in the last six to weeks. This was a moment for Dr. Bingham to get up there and really, I wouldn't say rescue the credibility of the seminary, but solidify it as a viable seminary for Southern Baptists to choose in in the current state. Uh, He gave a lot of comfort to where Southwestern is and where it's headed in a time of tumult for the seminary. So it was a lot just of, a phenomenal presentation. A lot of unrest. And then, you know, you have these six presidents that everyone is accustomed to seeing them um, sitting up there. And so then you had this new person that no one really knows. Yeah, I mean, he's probably not, 99% of the people in the room didn't know who he was if he walked in the room. Right. And so there's almost this moment where people were not sure what to expect. And I would say, and I, I did not meet, I've never met him until uh, until this week. And even then, it was just a brief uh, introduction. And so he stood up there, and he had a real calming presence. And just, I think, set everyone at ease. This is going to be okay. We're going to take, we're, we're, we're going to take the next step. 
And so it it did seem to make a difference, and I, I could feel that in the room. Yeah, and some of the discussions that we heard, we're going to play a couple of clips here, are, were from women who asked yes. various questions from various of various seminary leaders right. during this time. Uh, there, there's a great discussion about the safety and the, uh, the place for women in the seminaries, something we've talked about quite a bit here, something I know you're passionate about as being a, both a female student and employee at a seminary, uh, something that is close to home for you. Uh, but, but we had some women from all over Southern Baptist Life speak to this uh, throughout the seminary report, and here's some audio of that. I want to tell Dr. Aiken how we appreciate how he has handled this recent public situation. Kimberly Wagner from Day Spring Church, Hot Springs, Arkansas. Thank you for the statement you just made about how Southeastern is approaching their protection and dealing of young women and students with integrity. We are sending one of our young women to you this fall and entrusting them to you with confidence. Thank you, Dr. Aiken. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Maribeth Jakis from the Summit Church in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, First, I'd like to thank all the presidents for their gracious answers to these hard questions today. Uh, This has been very public and it has broken the hearts of many Southern Baptists. Thank you for treating it seriously and for answering uh, in a heartfelt way. My name is Whitney Putnam and I am a messenger from Providence Baptist Church in Kansas City. My question is for any one of the seminary presidents. I appreciate all of the questions on abuse and don't discount any of them. I grieve them alongside everyone, but there's an underlining tension as to why the abuse, women and their value. If women aren't considered of equal value, abuse comes easier. So thank you, President Aiken, for your affirming words and for all the other presidents in upholding women. Personally, I'm only here because of my pastor husband who affirms and allows me to flourish in my gifts. There have been many other brothers who've encouraged me as well. And I want to be clear, I firmly stand on the Baptist faith and mission as I present this question. My question lies with our seminary infrastructures so that our brothers and sisters at seminaries can see just how much we uphold one another's value. This could combat the abuse culture. I love that more women are attending our campuses, President Aiken. A further question is to how are our campuses championing women in leadership? Pointedly, are there women in leadership on our seminary staffs and what does that look like? Recently, Bible teacher Jen Wilkins said, as go our seminaries, so go our churches. It's past time for a full reevaluation of existing power structures and for the strategic implementation of formal channels of influence, input, leadership for women in the SBC. That was an interesting time for me to listen to those because we have, I mean, we have women that come to the microphone and ask questions or make motions. Um, But it, it It was a lot more this year. It was a lot more this year. And I felt like we heard some very heartfelt expressions uh, from some of our Southern Baptist women. And I really, uh, well, how encouraging is that as a Southern Baptist woman, Southern Baptist woman leader, it's it's incredibly encouraging and um and it it hits at something to say they are hearing something that they've been wanting to hear they're hearing a level of care and concern and um i think that many southern baptist women are feeling seen for the first time and one discussion yes that was made my favorite question It was for, it and it was for my president it was it, or it was during it was, my yeah so dr aiken was up there finished his and the last question Right. Was given by a gentleman and let's it, just play it. it just let's let's broke just play the it. room up. Here it is. My name is Marvin Parker. I'm the pastor at Broadview Missionary Baptist Church in uh, Broadview, Illinois. Uh, Mr. President, I know this is not a question for Dr. Aiken, of whom we appreciate in all our seminary uh, presidents, but it's cold in here. Can y'all turn the heat up or turn the air off? Thank you. 
Does anybody know where the thermostat is? We don't have to vote on that. All right, we'll, we'll do our best. And, and so it was fantastic. It was a great moment. Um, Dr. Aiken, of course, got really tickled up on stage. Uh, but the truth is, this man was right. Yes, it was freezing. I was, I was about to turn into an ice cube and could barely pay attention. It yeah. was so cold. I'm sure they were doing it that, that way because this was before the vice president's visit. I think they were probably preparing for a lot of people in the room. Mm-hmm. And so just trying to make sure it didn't get too hot. Well, and, it had been warm the day before. Right. It was really warm in but there. But it, it was that cold. pendulum swung too far in the other direction. Yes. And so I, we were all grateful for that man. Yes, we it, were. Yeah. Because, wow. Yes. It was cold. And he was right. And I had walked by um, somebody in the hall like literally five minutes before that. And they were uh, wrapped up in a blanket. I was like, why do you have a blanket when it's 90 degrees outside in Dallas? But they came prepared and they were putting it to good use. And I was thinking, I wish I had a blanket too. Oh, I was just, and you know, because of all the security concerns, yeah. anything, you couldn't like run back to your room and right. grab something. And anything that we we're, that we might want to use while we were at our desks, we had to leave the night before. And I said, I said to, I think I said to Adam Greenway, um, I should have left a blanket here last night. Yes. <laughs> because I would have used it. Yes, you would have. Uh, a lot of us would have used a blanket or could have used a blanket, but uh, things got sorted out on that. So that was yes. fun. So now the final uh, big discussion we had, and it was in the afternoon, scheduled for the afternoon by the Committee on Order of Business after a couple of motions were made on Tuesday morning. Uh, for Wednesday afternoon, we had a discussion on whether or not to vacate the executive committee of the Board of Trustees at Southwestern. Now, the charter allowed this. It does not provide any notice. I mean, it's just a something that can be at, done at any time for any reason. Uh, the Southwestern charter was checked and everything by the lawyers over the weekend just to make sure everything was in order for this. And uh, we, we that right. brought us to a discussion on Wednesday afternoon. And, and, and let me just give a commentary where you said that the charter had been checked. A lot of times motions such as this will trickle to the platform party that they might be coming yeah. because someone maybe will just give them a heads up or people will ask for assistance in wording their motion. Um, and that's good. Nobody ever really shuts that down or turns those things away, but it, it does help because yeah. it allows attorneys to do some prep work to know what is in order and out of order, it saves time. So that was why they had done that. Yeah, So and they have copies of the charters of all the entities and the bylaws of all the entities. So uh, the lawyers are up to speed on that and allow us to make good decisions and legal decisions, right, right. I guess. So that came to the floor, and I, I, I don't know how the vote would have gone early on in the discussion. There, there seemed to be a lot of people on the fence uh, during the discussion. I, I, that, it, that's well, just speculation. 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 It, it seemed like it, but I will say that the reaction to the president's report and the reaction to the questions just in the room mm-hmm. that morning signaled something. You know that that it was going to be close. Yes. That it that that it wasn't. It wasn't a runaway. You no, know, it was not remove. a clear. You, you, the room was not clear. Tell. Right. At, at, the, at the moment that Bart Barber stood up and said the following. So, you know, some people have been impatient about the way the Board of Trustees has acted at uh, First Baptist, or I'm sorry, at Southwestern Seminary. The Twitter account Church Curmudgeon said of us, a 13-hour business meeting is the most Baptist way to reach half a conclusion. Well, I rise today to tell you that if you've been impatient with what we've done, you should blame me personally. I was the last person on the executive committee to come to the position that we came to. All along the way, I was saying to the folks who serve with me, we need to be careful and deliberate and make sure that we have good evidence for everything that we've done and that we've heard all sides. Last fall, our board initiated a review of the seminary's financial condition. The chairman of the Business Administration Subcommittee of the board led that review. Shortly after the review began, Dr. Patterson began to question the legitimacy of that trustee's eligibility to serve as a trustee and made efforts to have him removed. In late April, 
After comments surfaced that Dr. Patterson had long ago made, Board Chairman Kevin Eckert requested that Dr. Patterson obtain input from the chairman before making any reply. Dr. Patterson disregarded this request from the chairman of the board and issued a press release without the chairman's input. That reply, that press release, was damaging to the reputation of the board, of the seminary, and of Dr. Patterson. So much so that he himself had to issue a later apology, for which I am thankful. As the aftermath of that first press release unfolded, Dr. Patterson refused to attend meeting after meeting of the executive committee as we attempted to work through these problems, despite formal requests that he do so. And as I continued to say, let's wait to hear from the president. But he refused to meet with us and refused to give us his side of the story or any of the facts. Then, after that marathon meeting on May 22nd to 23rd, Dr. Patterson became the president emeritus of the seminary. And the first thing that happened in his term as president emeritus was this. His attorney sent an email questioning the legal validity of the board's decisions in the full board's meeting. The basis of the claim was weak. I have no doubt that the action of the board would stand any challenge in the courts. But that fact notwithstanding, what is your seminary to do when the president emeritus is working to undermine the legitimacy and validity of the seminary's board of trustees? Your three minutes I, has expired. Thank you. If you okay, okay, finish, finish it if you will. And what thou doest, do quickly. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I appreciate the grace. Thank you. Bart and I are friends. Everything's yes. fine. I'm an old-time Baptist congregationalist. My church has business meetings every month because I want to have church business meetings every month. I believe in our polity. And it's part of our polity that our entity heads don't get to remove trustees. That entity heads have to answer to boards when they want to and when they don't want to and that seminary employees have to abide by board decisions. And so I just encourage you, we all have to serve as people under accountability. Baptists don't have popes. And I'm accountable to you, and it's good that you're going to have a chance to vote on what we've done. I, I have a moral and spiritual accountability to you, and I've tried to serve well. But I just ask you to remember this as you vote. Please don't rob your trustees all throughout our system of their spine. We're there to keep our entities accountable to you. We have that charge from you. And if you rob the trustees of their spine, you rob the messengers of their voice. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. All right, so let me explain one thing that happened in, in this moment, that Tom Hatley was the maker of the motion. So as the maker of the motion, he had the right to speak first. At that point, you then go back and forth. You go to people for, right, and, against. for and against. So then you go to someone who's against the motion, then for, then against. Until time expires. Right, until time expires. What, what Bart Barber did was a point of privilege. And you came on stage during that. I did. Because you were the one that said, hey, there's a point of privilege. Yes. Thank you for noticing that. I did. That was why he came at the, he, that he was able to speak. And uh, that speech seemed to make a real difference in the room. It did. It and really it, did. And, and here's my hunch, just observing. I think you had a lot of people in the room that knew and understood the seriousness of this motion. Mm -hmm. But they were torn. Yeah. Well, I don't think they had the details either. Right. They and had they had one set of details or just some details that the right. public had. Bart being a member of the trustee board had details like all trustee boards do right. that the public does not. And it helped and it helped too because one of the one of the phrases that gets thrown around a lot and I I want to say Bart may have been one of the first people to coin this phrase is trust the trustees. And I think that in that moment, people in the room were not sure they could. Yeah. And Bart's uh, 
Bart's speech at the microphone helped to ease that. Yes. That's, again, that's my observation. I don't know for sure, but just watching from where I was, and you could, I could see people's faces um, in the at least the first few rows, and I could just kind of grab, uh, I could just kind of get a sense of the room. I think that's something that happened there. That I totally there was agree. some some trust, and so uh, so it was another one of those moments where I feel like there were some real decisive actions, and people were sort of brought to the ledge. And then they said no. And this was the ultimate nuclear option. Yes. Um, something else about that debate that I observed that I think is important to um, to just think through. Uh, obviously, a lot of discussion about the vice president's visit was happening. Before and after. Before and after. Um, and I tracked a lot of it. I, I understood both. And when it happened, a lot of people felt like it was more of a campaign type speech than had been expected, and so that was a that was a challenge. Um, and so there's some back and forth about that, and I think that's even for the media maybe a big story out of this week. Something I noticed was that whether people supported the vice president coming or they didn't. When it was over, we went to lunch. When it was over, the, the convention sermon happened, and then we went to lunch. By that afternoon, everyone was back in the zone, ready to do what was in front of them. No one was worried about that speech or what it meant. So, so the speech, whether people were, were for it or not, was really not the defining moment of the of this convention, the defining moments were the things that we did. Yeah, they were the decisions that mm-hmm. we made, and I saw that when people came back in, they all showed back up, the room packed out, and everyone was back focused on the task at hand. I think that's important important to remember that we all came back together to do what we were here to do. Yeah, and and that's a good point because you would think that you've got the vice president coming to speak right. and that's going to be, you know, that would, for most conventions, that would be the highlight. I mean, not right. just the Sunday, I'm like just in general, if you're having a meeting and the vice president's coming to it, right. that's going to be the biggest thing. Right. But I think probably 99% of the people that's leaving Dallas right now would not say that. No. And, and I, and, and I say that as a positive and thing. And I don't mean that in a negative thing. No, I'm just saying not like, at all. To we anyone, were here for other reasons. Right. And, and, and it shows that people, they didn't just show up physically they they showed up mentally and they were engaged in the process and even as we had these other things they still kept coming back to why we were here and i i thought that was a very healthy thing yes all right now true decisions that were made uh, we we've kind of discussed them along with the discussions the big decision uh, that we were all kind of anticipating and, and wondering what was going to happen the presidential election that's right and uh jd greer defeated ken hemphill uh, about 68% and change to 31% and change. Right. Uh, somewhere in that, that range. And then uh, we also had some other elections. Want to just drop those real quick, and then I'll get your thoughts on the presidential election. But uh, A.B. Vines was elected first vice president by nearly the same margin. And they'll take 68% to 32%. Something and then, like that, yeah. Um, Felix Cabrera was elected on the first ballot three-way race. Um, with a, a healthy percentage there. So, uh, you know, we, we have a very diverse slate of officers again this year, right. just like we did last year. So that's always good to see. We, we talk a lot about diversity in the denomination here on the podcast and in the discussions we've had on trustees and everything, which we'll, we'll kind of highlight a little bit later, uh, the nominations committee report that was uh, slated and, and changed. Uh, but, uh, you know, three elections, three decisive elections, especially the presidential one. Yeah, and uh, first of all, I want to say one thing, that the presidential election is something, ballot votes, you know, our our role, the parliamentarians, like, we're not involved in any, any of that, so we don't find out anything. We we watch for Don Currents to come, and he comes carrying this piece of paper and walks right past us with the paper in his hand and goes up to the microphone, so we're sitting there waiting with everyone else. It's just like high anticipation when you yes. see Don show up. Yes. It's like, oh, he's got a result. No, and, I, and, we, and we're looking. I want so badly to go over and look at the paper. Um, and I, our daughter, Mary, she's 14, she came over for the presidential election and stayed in the hall um and she was texting me over and over and over again is he back yet do you know yet what's the vote and i was like it's i don't know i'm like you i have no idea yeah. how long does it take to count i said well there's a lot i told her i said well he there's had eight 
thousand ballots to count. Well, this it takes was a funny. while. This was funny. I, I texted her. It takes a while to count because it's eight thousand ballots. And when he came back and he announced from the stage, it was like set like seven thousand seven hundred ninety had cast ballots or something like that. I immediately got a text from her that said, "No, it wasn't eight thousand. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So she was very attentive, but we were just kind of on pins and needles with, with everyone else waiting to hear. And um, I, the margin was significant significant, and, and was more than I expected. Yeah. 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 And just going we need in. to go back and look and see when the last time a presidential election contested had, a, a, you know, 68% right. uh, win, because usually it's usually in the 50s. Yes. Um, so to, for somebody to get 68%, that was, it was, a, was a lot. It, it was a, a true statement yes. of the messenger. It so was. There's no question. Um, just a comment on that. My favorite part of the speeches was the end of Ken Witten's speech where he said, he, he, it was like he finished it and then he came back to the microphone. He said, and I promise you, if, um, if J.D. is elected president, he can't sing and he can't play guitar. And the room broke up. Yes. And I thought that was, I thought that was very, because very cute. earlier yes. in the day. Right, because Dr. Steve Gaines, Gaines yes. had, had sing and uh, played the little guitar. So he, he does that. And uh, so that was pretty funny. Yeah, so. it was it was really cute. But it that was a, a I think a true directional statement yeah. of sort of where the messengers were. Yeah, and, and that leads us to the true directions. And, and I I've said it on Monday evening that I, I started to get a sense that the room was different uh, right. at the pastors' you did conference. Say that. It was packed out for JD to preach at the end of the pastors' conference. Uh, and Charlie dates. Whoa. See, I Hello. haven't gotten to hear that yet, and I want to go one, back. I mean, like, Charlie Dates set that room ablaze, and J.D. just just took it on down from there. I mean, that that was a phenomenal yeah. sermon Monday night. Um, and then Tuesday morning, I think we started to see things, and whenever Augie Bodo had everybody stand up, the new, you know, first-time people, I, right. mean, I don't know if we've ever had that many first-timers right. at the SBC. Right. It was amazing to see. And it looked like a different room. Mm-hmm. It felt like a different room, and they voted like a different room than what we've seen in the past. And and, and this is something we've really tried to put out there, so th- it's important to us. It's a value that we have. But in years past, I think what we've seen is a lot of times newer people will come, and they, they'll come in, they'll cast a ballot, and then they will leave. Yeah. And you kind of joked with me. Yes, I sent you a text. Uh, Colby Adams was sitting with me during the vote, and, yeah. we were, and I sent you and he a text and said, all right, Colby and I are headed to the coffee shop, Amy. You need anything? Yes. Because a, <laughs> you came back with, with all caps, Jonathan, period, sit, period, down, period, now, period. Um, and pe- so people didn't just show up. They showed up and they stayed. Yes, they did. And they were locked in to what needed to happen. Actually, I think that's one of the strongest statements about the direction of the convention, that we have um, a n- we have people that are uh, getting in for the long haul, I hope, yeah. and, and, and plan to really be locked in mentally, like really engaged. All right, some other highlights from the week. Uh, there was a great motion by a nine-year-old boy about Kids Ministry Day. I loved this. I hope that yeah. Beth, I hope you play this video for I Beth. I will have to. Yes. I will have to. Here's the audio of that because it was precious. I'm Zach McCuller from FBC Carbon Hill, and I'd l- I make a motion to request the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention to consider a children's ministry emphasis Sunday to be added to the SBC calendar of activities. I think we just, I think we just heard the second. All right. So that was a great moment, Amy. Yes. The, and, the, and the hall me, really loved it, and so did Grant Etheridge, and yes. he even mentioned it. Yes. And uh, let me clarify, later. there's no age, no age requirement, requirement for messengers. As long as you're a messenger. And yes. to be a messenger, you got to be a member. Yes. That's all so, it takes. Um, it, but it was wonderful. And then I, I just want to tell you, because we go through all the motions together um, where the parliamentarians and attorneys advise. We don't vote, but we advise the committee on order of business. So we have a stack of them. And I saw it. He hand-wrote it completely. Um 
and it was the it was the cute the, just the cutest thing. I I loved it. Yeah. Uh, so we, as you just heard the audio, go back and watch the video too because it's it's delightful. Yes, it really is. And I learned something. If I want to get something maybe controversial passed, get a nine year old boy to to make the motion. I got more chance to get. I, no, it's, don't do that. It's possible. What would be interesting is if it's controversial, then the nine-year-old has to actually stand up and oh, argue for it. That, that's, that's a good point. Right. I didn't think about so that. So you got to get the right nine-year-old. <laughs> really compelling. Yes. All right. Well, he did a great job, and we were, grad, we're glad to see younger messengers engage the process as well. All right, Amy, I know this is a highlight for you. Got a good picture of you up there on stage because you were the parliamentarian during the resolutions report. Yes. And we passed 16 resolutions of a total of... 38 resolutions submitted. Now, I think there were three more resolutions that were prepared by the committee for a grand total of 41. So we had over 40, and we we, had, we knew that it was going to be high. Uh, you and I had talked about that. We joked about it. I had tweeted about it, and people had taken me seriously. Um, not 627, but right. 38 submissions. Right. I saw that kind of spread, though, because you had said that. And so Oops. you... Now you're going to need to be careful. When you say something, people take it to the bank, It's gospel Jonathan. truth, man. Yeah. So um, the, I, the resolutions report was was great. And the way they did that, because we were so short on time, uh, the chairman, Jason Dusing, uh, recommended that they be received and accepted as a block. And then any that, that there were suggested amendments be pulled out, only two had uh, had messengers wanting to amend them, and both of those were friendly amendments. They yeah. were were very very and done quickly. Yes, done and quickly, and that, that was it. handled. Um, now I'll say, just a side note, my only disappointment in that was I uh, I really loved resolution one. Yes, on the dignity and worth of women on the occasion of the 100th anniversary of women as messengers to the Southern Baptist Convention. Yes. And I had been kind of excited about that moment, getting to stand up there and to watch those ballots raised for that one. Um, well, so once we raised them, right? So once we one. did it as a block, I had to just when I watched all the ballots raised, I just thought about that one. We, that we just voted one. for number one, and the others were kind of like right, tacked on right. to it. Think so of it that way. So I just way. had to kind of make you feel like, better? All right, this is my moment. Um, but it hats off to the resolutions committee and all of their hard work because honestly i know that time constraints that that people agreed with it for that reason but the fact that they could bring 16 resolutions and that they could be so tight that the messengers only had two amendments yeah. and they were very basic that's incredible yes we passed one on gun violence yes yeah so we'll run through the let me just go over the ones because uh, some people may not have uh, have read it or may not have seen all the the Resolution. So we had the one on, on dignity and worth of women and the 100th anniversary of women as messengers. Resolution two was on abuse. Resolution three on the holiness and integrity of ministry leaders. Resolution four on renouncing the doctrine of the curse of Ham as a justification for racism. Number five was on immigration. Number six on reaffirming the full dignity of every human being. Seven on Christ-like communication and the use of social media. Resolution number eight is the one we just talked about on gun violence and mass shootings. I, I believe that's the first time we've passed a resolution on related to guns, Amy. Uh, so that that was a big moment uh, that may have gotten lost in the, the shuffle a little bit. Number nine, on opioid abuse and addiction, which is a big problem in many parts of the country. Mm -hmm. Peyton Num Hill and Chad Keck had, yeah. had submitted that one. Yeah, on number 10, on prayer and support for Arab Christians. Number 11, on the 50th anniversary of Sub Southern Baptist Disaster Relief. 12, on the centennial anniversary of, anniversary of Guidestone. 13, on the centennial anniversary of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, 14 on Billy Graham, 15 on the affirmation of foundational and compassionate components in several submitted resolutions, which is basically, uh, it was a, a compendium resolution, mm -hmm. uh, included uh, several parts of other resolutions that they did not bring out a full resolution, but kind of put it in there saying, yeah, these were good things, but we don't have like a full resolution. And number 16, the one that I, I think Jason Dusing saved last just for me, on appreciation for Dallas. We predicted that one. Yes, and I predicted Billy Graham. You Boom. did, you did. And we predicted stuff on women. And I also, I think we talked about gun violence. So do you, do you I think, think that's... I think the only one that I was, I wouldn't say hoping to see, but I was kind of wanting to see that I didn't see was one on sports gambling. Oh, okay. Gambling on sports. Well, I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction right now for next year's resolutions I committee. I may write one next year. 
for that. You should. You should submit one. Um, I'm going to go ahead and predict that next year, even though we don't know the resolutions committee, there's going to be one um, that is a resolution of appreciation for Birmingham. I may write that one since I used to live there. You should. We get an Alabama to write that one and yeah. submit it. Yeah. What, does anybody submit the resolution on appreciation? Probably not. And I would we imagine should have we should look it. back at the old ones and see if they all have a very similar. I bet they like do. Like if they all kind of say the same stuff. I bet stuff. they do. All right. Also with the resolutions, there was a disposition of resolutions, which uh, gave you a uh, just kind of a, an overview of why some were not brought. Um, so, and, yeah. and one Anything important else on the thing, yeah, one important thing was uh, we did have one attempt to bring one of those decline resolutions to the floor. Yes. And this is an important thing to point out. This was the resolution on social justice. They did have a paragraph explaining their uh, reason for declining, and that's in the bulletin. Um, but this was one that had gotten quite a bit of media publicity in uh, the days leading up. There's a website up, for it, Amy. Right, in the days leading up to the meeting. And so a lot of people sort of assumed that this was something very contentious. And in order to instruct the resolutions committee to report that out, that takes a two-thirds vote. And I, I don't, I can't even say how many people voted to bring that out, but it was very, very small. I mean, it was... At, a hugely overwhelming um, vote to support the committee's uh, declining of that. So I just think that was an interesting thing that for something that had a lot of attention leading up and maybe seemed like there was a huge amount of support for it, uh, the vote in the room did not reflect that. Uh, and I found that to be an interesting sort of decisive moment as well. Submitted resolution number 24 wasn't your favorite, Amy. That was one by Keith Whitfield. Oh, yeah, but which turned in, into resolution became six. Resolution 6. Yes. Yes. Uh, Keith Whitfield and Malcolm Yarnell. Yeah, I see a lot of familiar uh, names in together. here, though. Um, mm -hmm. I see a lot of familiar names from people that are submitting, and a lot of women as well. So right. a lot of um, diverse backgrounds of people submitting. So I need to go back. I haven't had a chance to read the dispositions yeah. yet. Yeah, Sorry. we should. The, the bulletin is in the app. I mean, we may have a lot of listeners yeah. who weren't here. And so you can look in the app. Yeah. I don't know if there's another I can place pull that's down posted the, online. Well, see, what I can do is I can pull down the PDF and post it on yeah, our website. Yeah, so that people can it see it. Yep. So, all right. Um, a couple of other highlights for the week. I do want to touch on this. The uh, executive committee met on Monday and disfellowshipped Raleigh White Baptist Church and their relationship with the Southern Baptist Convention took them from membership. Remember, they're the ones that were kicked out for uh, racist actions against right. a, um, a group, uh, another church in Georgia. Uh, the Committee on Nominations gave their report. We talked about that. It was more diverse than first reported. They had about 12 changes. Uh, many of those replaced with either women or uh, ethnic minorities in that. Uh, the... 2019 committee on nominations was also announced bucky kennedy will chair that he's a he's a former pastor in georgia and ted trailer is going to be the vice chairman of that he's a pastor obviously of olive baptist church in pensacola florida well-known uh, pastor down there in florida one other note from the committee on nominations our, our good friend adam greenway was named the chairman of the Committee on Order of Business in his first term on that committee. So he came straight on, kind of like Justice Roberts, whenever he came on in the... Straight on as chair. Chair, uh, you know, as the uh, the chief justice, whenever he got put on. So a little different uh, there. But I uh, do want to talk about uh, Dr. Greenway was involved in one of the four task force reports that were given this week, the Evangelism Task Force. He was named to give that report after Dr. Patterson announced he would not be in attendance and with was... Uh, withdrawing from giving that report. So Dr. Greenway did a fine job of giving the evangelism report. It was a good reminder uh, on Wednesday morning of why we're here to do what we do, uh, as well as Robbie Gallaty gave the Discipleship Task Force report. Uh, and, you know, so we had the, the evangelism and Discipleship Task Force reports. There was also a report uh, from the Young Pastors Task Force uh, that Dr. Page had started whenever he was at the executive committee. That group gave their report during the executive committee report number two. Um, and uh, at a funny moment, they were coming up and giving their name and, and going by. And somebody leaned over and said, it looks like a version of the Baptist Bachelor, even though many of them are married. But it was wow. kind of like the, the opening to the Bachelor. Because they all kept, yes, wow. Or the Bachelorette, That's, I guess it would be. That, yeah. I, nope. No? Not interested in that okay. conversation. Well, our friend Lizette Dillinger, she would probably find that 
rather humorous. Moving on. And then also there was a task force report from the SBCAL that was unanimously adopted. Not presented on stage, but at their meeting. At their meeting earlier in the week. So uh, congratulations to everybody that served on those task force. We appreciate your service and your commitment to Southern Baptists in the future and the work that we're doing uh, through evangelism, discipleship, through the associations, as well as for young pastors in the denomination. And we'll post all of these reports uh, in the show notes that we can. Everything that's online we'll put uh, so that you can have lots of information. All right, and one more thing is uh, in the executive committee meeting before they did elect a new chairman, Mike Stone from Georgia uh, was one of three nominated, uh, also Joe Knott from North Carolina and Kent Shope. Um And Mike Stone got 51% of the vote and is the new chairman, Stephen Rummage, rotating off. Uh, and Mike Stone and, will also yeah, join the search committee. Right, Stephen Rummage finishing his term as chairman. But that means now Mike Stone coming in chairman will serve as a seventh member of the search committee uh, looking for a new president so that was uh, important now one thing that we tweeted because i never do this week in sbc history on the week of the meeting because two reasons one this was sbc history amy that's why every year this week is a week in sbc history so i like to make that point also i'm kind of busy and i'm tired and don't like to do a lot of research this week But uh, one thing we did tweet uh, was that when the newly elected president went on stage to be introduced, he was wearing Air Jordans. Yes. And I'm going to guess that's... That's the first time that's happened. Yes. That was a moment this week in SBC history. So go check out our Twitter feed for that picture. Yeah. That that got a lot of action on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people really enjoying that. So um, those weren't quite wingtips. No. So... Uh, yeah, so congratulations again to JD and uh, to all of our officers who were elected. A couple of other things up during the week, uh, maybe from some ancillary events, the, the commissioning service yes. Tuesday night. Beautiful. Powerful as always. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to sit backstage with that and see those missionaries come by and people uh, congratulating them, praying for them. Uh, met a couple last night, actually, that's headed to Kenya. And uh, they're they're going down there. Um, they currently, I think they're Southern students. And y'all had a lot of students yep. as well. It seemed like every time I turned around, there was a, a Southeastern student and right. or a couple getting sent right. overseas. Um, so congratulations to all of those who were commissioned. The NAM lunch on Monday was an overwhelming success. That was an absolute blast. John Christ crushed it. He was a blast. And also, we had, it was great to to honor the Pomeroys. Uh, yes. Frank and his wife uh, from First Baptist Sutherland Springs, they presented them with a Beth Moore Alaskan cruise, and Beth came out and did the nice. presentation. Nice, that's cool. And we had quite a Monday. We had our yes. podcast discussion early in the morning, and which was great. We appreciate Kyle and Matt from Not Another Baptist Podcast for coming over for that and, and joining us on stage for that. And then the afternoon, we had quite a crowd. Yes. Beth Moore, Matt Carter, and Russ Moore talking on abuse in the yep. church. Yep, and it um, that was a great discussion, one that we set the topic for and got the participants before the conversation yeah. has really kicked up in the last month, yeah. and so that really made it even more important. You made your mom so proud. Yeah, you were in the Tennessean. She was yes, yeah. They Holly Meyer did a story on that panel, and um, my parents, who again, as I've said before, they're not Southern Baptists, and so. Uh, they don't always follow all the processes, you know, but they got the paper and saw the story about our panel. Yeah. So that was exciting. That for was kind of cool. So we appreciate right. all the media that came out because we had quite a few yes. media members for that. Yeah. Uh, just a, a great time there. And then. But we need to, uh, we need to check and see if they've yeah. posted it yeah. online. And they streamed it. what we're going to do is, but... is try to get the audio of those and drop them in maybe as just kind of extra episodes here and yeah. there over the next few weeks. And you can watch all the, uh, the, the archived video and from the pastor's conference, from the meeting, from the, the CP, CP stage. stage. There's a there was lot a, of great discussions. Yes, there was a great one on Tuesday afternoon that Keith Whitfield was a part of on cooperation. Oh, okay. So yeah. I, I got to hear a little favorites. bit of that one. Yeah. Yes, that I'm was sure one of my was. And then um, also there was, uh, also I, I led one with Willie Rice and Dean and Sarah, which I, I thought was a great discussion on Calvinism. We didn't talk theology. We talked about how to cooperate under a large That's tent fantastic. with Calvinism. And it was great. Willie Rice, fantastic job. Dean, uh, as always, Dean being Dean, uh, it was it was just fun. It That's was great. one of the more fun discussions I've led. And then I, I did a Sin Puerto Rico one. I didn't know a lot about Sin Puerto Rico because, I mean, that's just not something yep. I'm up to speed on. But David Melberg and uh, 
the guys from Nam. I do now. It was it was great. It was a great discussion. So we had a great time. And thanks again to all the guys at the CP stage. Everybody at the executive committee. This is a big week. Working hard. They do a lot. Allison Young, uh, Christy Peters. I don't know if anybody won bingo, Amy. I saw some people Facebooking about it. They were playing. But well, what we see the ventriloquist this year. Oh, the puppet! You so may I have don't know caused if anybody a got blacked yeah. out because I put something on there that wasn't there. Well, that's how you make sure that you don't have to give away anything. Then I y'all. think we have to figure out then who got the closest yeah. to blackout. So if you so. if you're close to blackout or if you got it, tweet us because yes. I don't I didn't see anybody tweet us with hey I got everything right. So but we'll have to look. I'm still catching up on social. Yeah, uh, it was kind connection. of odd for people to come up to me and go, "All right, I got you checked off on my bingo." Yep, somebody said that to me. Yeah. So but had a lot of listeners came up. We appreciate you listening. Yes. And uh, we, we really enjoy doing this. We're pretty tired. Yep. Uh, but it's it's a good tired. It's a, It's been a fun week. So we appreciate you staying with us each and every week. And Amy, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. <laughs>